Welcome back to St. James Baltimore's podcast. This is Reverend Bednash. Today is August 30th, 2020, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. Sermon titled, Constant Returning. Scriptures for meditation can be found in the description below. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, what a difference a week makes. What a difference one day could make. What a difference one moment to the next moment can make. Now, we're not exactly sure how much time has passed between our gospel reading last week and our story today. Matthew doesn't really specify the amount of time that has passed. But after looking at some commentaries and doing some scriptural study, most likely our story from last week and this week are immediately following immediately following the beautiful exchange and that confession that Peter has of Christ. Immediately following that, Jesus begins to explain and to show and to teach his disciples his ultimate purpose on earth. Because not yet up to this point in Jesus' ministry has he explicitly revealed to his disciples his ultimate purpose, which is to suffer, to be killed, and to rise again to life on the third day. Up until now, Jesus has been teaching them, the disciples and the crowds, about who he is, that he's the Son of God, the promised Messiah. And now that that truth has been grasped, it's time to reveal to them what he's come to do, which is to die. And this is where last week and this week combined, and we can see in Peter who he is. And specifically, we can see in Peter who we are. We are both simultaneously a saint and a sinner. Listen to the words found in Matthew chapter 16. But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon. And from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So Peter took him aside. And began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that that will never happen to you. Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now this sudden change of reaction in Christ towards Peter doesn't nullify his promise of building the church upon him or his confession, but it does express the need for Peter the disciples, the church, and for us to constantly be returning to the Lord in repentance. We should note that while we are confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we could also be talking out the sides of our neck hatreds towards each other, gossip, slander, selfishness, etc., etc. So the promise of being built up as the church comes not with a one-time confession, but a lifestyle of confession and repentance a routine, a way of living, you could say, constant sanctification through God's word and the Holy Spirit because we are perpetually in a spiritual battle this side of heaven. We are simultaneously being brought into God's family as baptized members, made a new creation with a right spirit within us, which rages battle against our sinful flesh that entices us with that sweet, sweet selfishness and sinfulness. That's the battle that we fight this side of heaven. And so our individual lives in the church are to be, as Paul says in Romans, to abhor what is evil, 
Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, what is evil? Well, oftentimes we know what is evil fairly explicitly. It's all the things that are opposite of the Ten Commandments and the Scriptures. But sometimes, and more often than not, especially lately, it's these things of man that come veiled as good. The things of man are often filled with good intentions, but so is the path to hell. Good intentions aren't necessarily evil within themselves. They're important to have, especially concerning things such as giving an offering. You want to do so with a right spirit, with a good heart, with good intentions as to want to give that that offering will be utilized in ways best fit to carry out God's ministry. But good intentions for good intentions sake or good intentions by definition from a human perspective, well, those are often based in the things of man and not the things of God. For example, if we were to study our gospel text in a way that many examine the scriptures by removing the Lord and extracting a merely moral teaching from it, then we could see what I'm talking about. A lot of people in this world, especially Christians of late, unfortunately, have taken the Lord's will out of the Bible and view it from a solely human perspective. The scriptures have been studied lately through the eyes of progressive humanism, meaning we try to understand the word of God by the progress that we have made as man, viewing the Bible through the lens of our own interpretation instead of allowing it to be what it is, God's word. This is the way that the world and unfortunately many, many denominations of the church have been studying the scriptures for years. And we can see now the consequences of that and how convoluted the message of the scriptures have become. The good intentions of trying to study scripture more by doing so in an improper way has actually led to evil because we have, like Peter, set our minds on the things of man and not of God. We tried to interpret it from our own reason and understanding and not allowing it to be from the Lord. Oftentimes, we'll dilute the words found in Scripture concerning things like divorce or sexual immorality because it's offensive, so we skirt the issue. We walk around the words sometimes, such as the words found last week in our gospel reading concerning the binding of sins to the unrepentant because it sounds harsh or unloving to our sinful ears. We react in emotion allowing our feelings to win out in arguments or situations which cause hatred and violence and destruction to be the way that repayment comes about. We set our minds on the things of man, neglecting what the Lord desires. How silly. So let's examine our gospel in that way and see how easy it is to misunderstand scriptures. Let's just take it from a human perspective. A dear friend to Peter, who's opened his mind to many beautiful teachings, is now speaking some words that are disheartening and harsh for Peter to deal with. So Peter's upset, he's offended, and so he takes his dear friend aside and he tells him that the plan that he just heard will never happen. 
Peter wants to save his dear friend's life. Wow, how amazing, how brave, how courageous. Peter is standing up to his friend in order to save him. Peter should be commended for his bravery. Yet, if we remove the Lord and his will from this story like we just did, we'll have convoluted the whole thing. Peter, in human eyes, has done the right thing. But unfortunately, according to God's word and his will, it's not the right thing. Peter's become selfish, consumed by his own desires to have life the way he wishes it to be, to have Jesus stick around as long as possible, to overthrow the Romans and probably put him in some political position of power. You see, the death and resurrection of Jesus is confusing to the disciples. Still, at this point in the gospel reading, it's just as confusing to many nowadays. But it's through that seemingly awful event that mankind is provided salvation. And so while Peter had all good intentions to save Jesus' life, he got it twisted. He forgot that Jesus is the Savior, not him. So that's exactly why we confess each and every Sunday. Because if we were to remove the Lord, his will and his words or his intentions or meanings from the scriptures, it might as well be Jesus saying to us, get behind me, Satan. And so that's why we focus on what God's word is each and every week. It's God's word, not ours. It's God's will, not ours. We need to be in constant returning to him so that we might be aligned with his will and not ours. Because it's so easy for our sinful flesh to creep in with sin and to mask these things as good intentions or good things. But we're called to be the church. We're his saints militant on earth. We're called to live in God's word, breathing it in as it is a breath of life, inwardly digesting it as if it were bread from heaven. Evil says, avenge your situation. Evil says, repay wrong with wrong even harder. Evil says, raise up your fists in vengeance because of the lack of harmony. Evil says, destroy those around you who have power because they have what you do not. Evil removes the Lord from the scriptures and the teachings of the Bible and puts man in the central position. It replaces God's will with our own understanding instead. Evil says all those things. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. God's word says, be patient in tribulation and be in constant prayer. Just as Christ who lives in you was during his trial and his suffering on the cross. God's word says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Just like Christ forgave those who put him to death. God's word says, never be wise in your own sight. Whoa. Those are some words that we desperately need to hear in today's world. Peter needed to hear those words. He was very wise in his own eyes, yet compared to the actual good intentions of the Lord, his wisdom was worthless, even considered evil, because his wisdom was not from the Lord. His wisdom came from his own reasoning. We, too, must heed those words. Have our eyes become swollen with our own intelligence and pride so much so that we've neglected or even replaced the Lord's intentions of the scriptures with our own? 
And so this is what we do as the church. When we find ourselves to be aligned with Peter, acting on impulse with our own intentions at the forefront, we confess our sins before the Lord so that we might be restored to that solid life of sanctification, so that we might be restored back to that beautiful confession that Peter just gave a few verses back. Let's read these words found throughout the scriptures and especially in our epistle reading from Romans in a prayerful hope that the Lord who has begun this good work in us will bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's test all things Every situation, every reaction, every action that we have or that we witness in the world around us against the scriptures so that we might know what is truly good, right, and salutary. And when we do happen to find ourselves on the same side of Peter at times, do not be discouraged. Rather, take it to the Lord in prayer. Peter was restored by the end of this gospel, forgiven, and then commissioned to go out and share that good news of Christ to the world. You ask him to restore you to that beautiful example of Peter and his confession, to your beautiful identity that you have in baptism. That's what it looks like to be the church, confessing Christ's truths while confessing our sins, and understanding that in our repentance there is truly forgiveness. Because it is of Christ's necessity to go to Jerusalem and suffer at the hands of men and die and rise again, that there is truly peace with the Lord for you and for me. Amen.